Right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Darby Creek. Thanks for thanks for coming to worship. Gather together today. I'm going to open up with John 12, where Jesus said, "Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me." Let's let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that that you call us to follow you and you just express your desire to be with us. God, and we know that you're you're with us together this morning as we're we're gathered in your name and your spirit is dwelling in us and your presence is here and we don't want to take that for granted, God. We do want to recognize that you're you're near, you're listening, you're engaging with us and we thank you for that. God, thank you for being a God who's near. And I uh, pray that you'd help us this morning, God, with everything that we struggle with. God, help us to see your light and your truth and help us to see your goodness. Help us to turn our eyes to you right now and help us to give thanks and worship you. In Jesus' name. Come now, Lord, 
This is from Philippians 2. It's long, but it's good. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Let's pray, let's praise that great name right now.
Lord, why don't you have a seat and Pastor Greg, come wow. on. So today we're starting kind of a mini-series uh, called Pray For Me, and what we're going to do is... Let me try again. <laughs> I haven't started! My watch told me to try again. I didn't get that. Well, hopefully you'll get it. Okay. Um, anyway, where was it? Oh, yeah, new series. Um, on Pray For Me, and we're going to go through some of Paul's prayers that he incorporates into his letters to the churches. And um, the reason I'm doing this, kind of a number of reasons, they're instructive for us. They help us not only uh, well inform us how we can pray for each other, and certainly we can share prayer requests, and people do, and whether through the email prayer list or in person, uh, through their small groups or just here on Sundays or whatever, um, people do share prayer requests, and that's great, and we encourage you to keep doing that. But sometimes uh, we need to also think about um, praying, I don't, I don't know how to say this, like rather than like the, the things that I need God to do, praying spiritual prayers that really, uh, that God would do a spiritual work in us, right? Because... Um, and it's totally fine to pray our requests. You know, uh, we're invited to do that uh, in the Scriptures. But what I'm saying is that we don't always know what God wants to do through the circumstances that we're praying for Him to help us through, around, or over. Um, and so we need to also have in mind He's doing a spiritual work in us. He's, he's uh, trying to have Christ formed in us through all of that. So, so... A lot of these prayers that we're going to be looking at are in that on that angle of our prayer life, it's, it's so that you can be praying these prayers not only for yourself, but also uh, for those um, in their church family, your family members, whatever. Just um, you know, a lot of these prayers are ang- are aimed at believers, and I'll kind of mention that when they are. Um, most of them probably are, but but also we're going to learn about a lot of things about the Christian life, about God, and how things work in our walk with Jesus. So it's not going to just be, you know, how to pray different prayers for each other, which will be a part of that, but also we're going to learn about our walk, how we live our lives as Christians. So um, so today we're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter um, 3, verses 14 to 19. Um, why I chose there, it's because it's my favorite. And, you know, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, you know, after I thought about it, well, it kind of might have made sense to kind of do Ephesians 1 prayer first, but, you know, I like the prayer for power as like, like one of my, I don't know, one of my go-tos, I would say. So, um, uh, well, let's just, it, it's our habit here many times to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Would you do that with me today here as we look here about Paul praying for power in Ephesians 3? Uh, 14 to 19. So let's read this aloud together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. 
praying for power, praying for power, and you saw that word power show up a couple of times in Paul's prayer for the the church at Ephesus, and that's exactly what this is. This is a, a letter that he wrote to this church in Ephesus, and um, and what I want to do is just start off by probably stating the obvious here in these first couple of verses, is that uh, we are to pray for one another because we are a spiritual family. Uh, this is he mentions it here in these uh, in these first couple of verses, right? He says. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, right? And he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so, so we look at this, this point here that we're a spiritual family. And, and it kind of makes sense that he would mention this because at the very end of chapter 2 in, in, in the book of Ephesians, because it is helpful to kind of know a little bit of what, what has said beforehand before he gets to this prayer, Listen to some of the things he talks about at the end of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. He says, um, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is, in, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So. It's important for us to realize one of the things he's addressing is that he's saying, listen, there's, um, God has done an amazing thing, and he's bringing these two people groups together, uh, the, those who were ethnically Jews and those who were not but will believe in Jesus are all going to be one if they believe in Jesus, okay? It's, it's like it doesn't matter what your, your uh, genealogy is. Uh, if you put your faith in Christ, you're you're all in the same spiritual family. And part of this letter to the Ephesians is he's making a big deal about God uh, breaking down the wall of separation between these two groups of people, the Gentiles and the Jews. Okay, and so uh, he he's saying, uh, you know, it's it's an amazing thing that you who were far from from God are now been brought near. Um, and he says this, and then he says in verse 14 of chapter 2, for he himself is our peace, meaning Jesus is the peace between these peoples now. They don't have to be at odds with one another. Jews, you know, because a Jew would have looked down on a Gentile for sure. Um, and he, but, he's, but he's saying, listen, now, of course, Paul was the apostle sent to the Gentiles, right? He's sent to reach these people that were not God's people uh, initially. And so... And he's kind of uh, announcing that there's, there can now be peace between these groups of people. They put their hope in Christ in the same way. He says, um, he goes on in verse 17, he says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Verse 18 of chapter 2, For through him we have both have access to one spirit to the Father. So again, he's just speaking about we're one family now. And this is uh, an important aspect of as he goes into this, and he's he's one of the things he's praying for is their depth of love, that they would know the depths of the love of God. And that, I think, relates directly to their relationship with each other, saying, you know, uh, you got to learn to love people not like you, um, not like your heritage and so on. We'll, we'll get into that to a, in a minute. But uh, make no mistake that here, as we, we realize that 
we should be praying for each other because we're in the same family. And uh, you, you realize that um, that's, that's what it is. We're all here very different people, you know, different, uh, maybe different views on certain things or different likes, dislikes, all of that. But, um, uh, but we, we are united in Christ. And so what we need to do is take each other to the Lord in prayer. Um, and this is good, too, to be reminded of. Um, you know, if some of you, if you have that phone list that we have, if you're on the phone list, uh, you get a, get a copy of the phone list, uh, you know, use that as a, an opportunity to pray some of these prayers we're going to learn for people, right? Because you might be like, well, I don't know. I don't even know this person on the list, possibly. Uh, or I don't even know what their needs are. But you know what? These things we're talking about today, that's everybody's needs. These are things that we can definitely uh, be confident in praying for. Um, but we are in the same family. Also interesting to note that he says, you know, I bow my knees before the Father. I don't think he's saying that we have to be on our knees to pray. Um, I do think that we need to bow our hearts and our wills to the Lord as we come in to him for pray, right? So we need to submit our will to his will and be humble in heart and, and, and that. Nothing wrong with praying on your knees, uh, you know, we're not saying that, but just saying that your posture of your physical body is not necessarily the important thing. It's what's the posture of your mind and your heart when you pray. And so he's saying, uh, it's this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And then he gets into his uh, first request. And that is to pray for inner strength. He asks for prayer for inner strength. And... Um, as it says here, let me remind you of verses 16 and 17, what he says, he says, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. All right, so let's kind of break this down for a second. There's a lot, you know, this is this typical Paul of stringing these phrases together, you know, um, but... Here's, here's what it says. it says. Basically, he's praying, of course, for, he's praying for inner strength, strength for their inner being. You get that. Um, but how does that strength come? How does that strength come? And certainly, we get from this, this one verse here that the agent of that strength is going to be the Holy Spirit. Right? He says, uh, may be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. Right? So, and every believer um, has the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and so let me, uh, let's just read verse 16, 17, and then we'll come back to this in a second. But it says, um, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, now, why do I have this here? <laughs> I didn't want that. Oh, here, that's what I wanted. Sorry. I, I wanted to point out the fact that um, this, that Scripture does tell us um, uh, about that every believer has the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, because he's saying that this power is going to come to you, this power to strengthen you and in the inner person is going to come to you, the Holy Spirit. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, he says this. He says, in him, uh, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his 
glory. Uh, so, so he's saying the Holy Spirit's given to every believer as a guarantee. This is just one part of many places we can go in the Scripture to show that every person who's put their faith in Christ has the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8's another great place to go for that. Um, in, actually, the Romans 8 passage kind of tells you that if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a believer. You know, just very simply. And so, so he's praying for this inner strength for these believers, and, um, and he's saying that it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. So, um, what does he mean by the inner person here? The inner, you know, how does he say it in this, in this verse? He says, um, in your inner being. Why would he focus on that? Um, well, some thoughts might be, um, Paul has said something like this uh, in a similar way before. Uh, he's talked about, um, you know, as you know, he's been through suffering and persecution, his body has taken a beating. His body's taken quite the beating, and uh, his outer person, you know, his physical body is wearing down. But uh, internally, though, he's, he's uh, still going strong. Uh, he mentions this in 2 Corinthians. Uh, he says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Then he says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are seen, uh, as we, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So do you see how he's, God's helping him deal with this suffering? He's saying, listen, externally my body is breaking down. And it's wasting away, but something is happening internally. Uh, his inner self is being renewed. Day by day, day by day, he's experiencing some kind of power apart from himself uh, that is really renewing him, even though if you were to look at him or look at him walk around, you'd say, that man is a broken man, right? Uh, and so, and as you look at these other verses that surround this, as Paul is explaining this, he says, he even calls what he's experiencing light and momentary affliction. Now. On a human level, it's not light, and it's and I'm sure it was probably extended periods of suffering and pain, right? But how is he able to say this? Well, he says that um, it had he mentions an eternal weight of glory by comparison. So he's like, well, compared to what's coming when Jesus comes back and where we're with him in glory, he's like, this is this is considered light momentary, and I think that's a good word for us because. Um, you're gonna, you and I need internal uh, strength and power to live for Jesus in whatever circumstances are going on in our lives, right? Just, you know, sometimes it's just day by day. Sometimes it's hour by hour, right? Uh, depending on what's happening with your, in your world. And so we need to see that Paul saying, listen, if I can keep my eyes fixed on what this is all producing in me, 
Like it's, it's producing in me an eternal weight of glory as I, as I submit to what God is doing in my life, even though I don't always know what it is, right? Uh, he's saying as I submit to these external things that are going on, but pray for daily renewal by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, he's saying I can keep my eyes fixed on what's to come. And that's going to help me, you know, kind of consider, in one sense, these things as light and momentary because eternity is nothing compared to 70, 80, 90 years, whatever time we have here on this earth. And so I just think it's good to be reminded of this. When Paul, there in the Ephesians letter, he is saying to them, he's praying for power in their inner being because it's a, in a similar way. Why would they need it? Well, because of suffering, possibly. Um, so, question for you. Uh, what do you need strength for today? You know, what, what is it, as you think about your life, what is it that you're like, God, you know, I just, I'm just not, this particular thing that's happening, or maybe it's your body. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, I'm walking up the steps of Ohio Stadium yesterday, I'm like, this body is not what it used to be. You know, and that's a that's a little silly thing, um, but I can remember twenty uh, two year old Greg walking up those steps. Yeah, taking them two and three at a time. Not now. I'm taking half a step now. But yes, right. So, so yes, yeah, stumbling. Uh, but but the whole idea is that you know, so some of us do have physical things happening, right? Um, and the reality is sometimes it's just the natural progression of the fact that when we, not to sound gross but or uh, insensitive, but the minute we're born, we start dying. I mean, if you think about that, right? I mean, that, that is reality. Um, and so uh, there's physical things happening. But we still want to live for Jesus, I hope, right? Regardless of our age, and we still want Christ to be center of our lives. We still want to live for him. I want to read something for you that I read in a, uh, there's a book that I'd commend it to you. It's actually by D.A. Carson. It has all of Paul's prayers in it. He does a Bible study on it. Um, you'd ask me what the name is here. A Call to Spiritual Trans, Call to Spiritual Reformation. And then there's a subtitle, which I can't quite see right there. But anyway, uh, it's a great book. But he he talks about this um, this idea um, he says, and I'm just going to hit on the, it's not, not all going to be about aging today, by the way. Um, but I do want to hit on this because we're all going to be there and we all are going there. Um, he says here, he says, we all know senior saints who as their physical strength is reduced, nevertheless become more and more steadfast and radiant. Their memories may be fading. Their arthritis may be nearly unbearable. Their ventures beyond their small rooms or apartments may be severely curtailed, but somehow they live as if they already have one foot in heaven. And um, he mentions this because he's saying that's, that when that's happening, that's just evidence of the Holy Spirit empowering their lives. Because outer thing, the outer casing is, is, is failing. And it's difficult, and they have, but they have the inner strength. They have this inner power 
that comes from the Spirit we're talking about. Um, and so, uh, now he says, you know, I will mention the flip side. He says, conversely, we know elderly folk who, so far as we can tell, are not suffering from any serious organic decay, yet as old age weighs down on them, they nevertheless become more and more bitter, caustic, demanding, spiteful, and introverted. It's almost as if the civilizing restraints imposed on them by cultural expectations are no longer adequate. Um, now, I, I can testify this myself, okay? Uh, in that, that sometimes where I, uh, you know, sometimes now I don't care what people think. And I'll just say what I want to say. Now, that's not always a bad thing, but sometimes it's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, sometimes our younger, our younger selves would have never said that, whatever it was, because we had like this, we had a little more self-control. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, okay, uh, that this does happen. And he's saying, um, he goes on to say about this, he says, uh, in their youth, they had sufficient physical stamina to keep their inner being somewhat capped. Now with reserves of energy diminishing, what they really are in their inner being is coming out. Ouch. You know, and um, this, is, this is like reality, right? But we need, we all need, regardless of our age, we need the Holy Spirit to continue that transforming power and to help our inner being be what it needs to be, become more Christ-like, right? Um, so, uh, you know, again, I said it's not all about age today, but, you know, go back to that question I asked a minute ago. You know, what do you need strength for? Um, are you in a time of suffering? Some people in this church are enduring great suffering. Um, some of it's physical suffering to a great degree. And so um, if that's your situation, I'm sure you need strength, physical strength. You need inner strength even to... to Maybe even to, to commune with God, you just need his help just to talk to him because, you know, the pain is so bad. Um, maybe you need strength to fight temptation. Maybe that's it. Uh, you know, we need strength to resist it and to be victorious to the glory of God. And all of that is it's not going to be like, we're, you know, you, can just, you can't just grit out every temptation, people, okay? Um, just speaking from experience, you know, you can, you, you, you need God's help, okay? You need his help to say no to the things that come our way that are not of God. Um, maybe you've got a tough moral choice to make. Uh, maybe you've got a decision to make. It's an ethical decision, and you need God's strength because maybe, uh, you know, to do the right thing might affect many people around you. Uh, and I've been there, you know, where you have to make a decision. You know it's not going to be popular, but you know it's the right one that God wants you to make, you know. And you need inner strength for that. You need the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to strengthen you. Maybe you need strength to share Christ with somebody in witnessing, to share your story and God's story. And you need courage. That takes the Holy Spirit power to do that. Um, and sometimes the people you love the most, it's hardest to have those conversations with. I mean, you know, why is it that it's easy to have a conversation about Jesus with a total stranger than with someone that you're close to? Well, the one reason is, I think, 
is that you may never see that person again, that person, that stranger. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, your family member, your coworker, you are going to have to see them again. You know, you know, what if they reject you? You know, personally, even you know, can they not uh, reject the 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 gospel and still like you? Uh, you know, you'd like to think that can happen, but sometimes it doesn't. Okay, so you need we need courage. We need courage, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so, our prayers for one another definitely need to start like this. We need to pray that you know. Um, you know, pray that, you know, so-and-so, Lord, just grant them the power and the strength in their inner person to tackle whatever it is they're going through right now, to do, to do your will. They need your power, God. And so you just, you pray stuff like that. And you might be, you might know that person um, a, more closely. And so maybe you know a little bit about more what's going on, know what, what they need power for, right? And so you can customize that prayer, if you will. And so, um, now, so this is the, the first part, right, of this prayer. That Isn't it interesting, too, I forgot to mention this, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, it's kind of like, well, what are the resources that God is pulling from to supply the power of the Holy Spirit? It's like, well, limitless, right? Uh, that's, it, it, you know, I, and I just love that because there are other places, too, when it talks about the riches of his glory and, or, or of his just the, the limitless uh, limitlessness of his power. And that's really when we, we see that verse 16 there, that according to the riches of his glory, it's kind of like, you know, out, out of the, the, the treasure droves of God's power and of all of his supply, he's just like, you know, and it never runs out. Um, and so we need to just look at that and say, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, we're not going to get to the ver- verse 20 today that wasn't my plan anyway. But when you look at that doxology at the very end of chapter, or towards the end of chapter 3 there, after the prayer we're looking at, it says, verse 20, chapter 3, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Right There's that power working within us, the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So what he's saying is, you know, this stuff that we're praying for, God can do that and more, okay? Uh, and so it's almost like a, this, this great praise that comes out of uh, Paul's pen down onto the paper to, to just say, isn't this amazing that God can supply power to us, unlimitless power to, to do his will, no matter what he's calling us to do, no matter what the circumstances are. Now, uh, I found it strange, and maybe you do too, when you see verse 17 here in this prayer. Because when I read verse 17, I'll remind you what it is here, is uh, he says, so this is, comes right on the heels of what we just went through. Because, you know, he's, he's praying that according to this riches of his glory, he would grant them this power, right? And then it says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I'm like, I just look at that and I'm like, what? Because, here's why I look that way. And that is because doesn't every believer have Jesus in their life? The, I mean, the Holy Spirit, right? Through The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus is mentioned in, in the same sentence there uh, in Romans, right? So, 
we all have Christ living in us via the Holy Spirit, right? In that sense. And so I'm thinking, why, why is he saying in this prayer, it's almost like, so, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm like, he is, he's already there. So I was, I was on a quest to try to figure this out. Of course, I'm not the only one, okay? You, you, you realize many people have, have wrestled with these things uh, for many years before. And so, but I've got a, a couple of thoughts I wanted to relay on to you. Um, and some of these uh, thoughts I found from James Boyce Montgomery in his commentary on Ephesians, and it just seemed to fit. Like so, so when you got options for interpretation things, you just try to, you know. And when it's not clear, your your best, your only guide is basically the context, like and what you know of the greater part of Scripture. So, like if I know, like I already know, I got Jesus. Okay, <laughs> I got the Holy Spirit. So I I know it's not somehow like I'm getting Jesus. Like, like he's not saying, he's not praying that I get power so that I would get Jesus. Like I already got, he's talking to believers here. So, so I'm, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, so here, here's, here's what I found in his commentary. I thought it was very interesting. I think it fits uh, with the rest of scripture too. Um, now, when you take a look at Galatians 2.20, Okay, it, ju- it just reminds us that we have Christ in us as believers. So I just want to like establish this fact with the scripture. Okay, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wonderful verse, you know, talking about our new life in Christ, right? And how it's no longer I who live, but he's, Christ is living in me, right? So I got Jesus, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but, uh, so that's Galatians 2.20. Take a look at Galatians 4.19. Same letter. Paul's telling the Galatians there. He says, my little children, from whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Uh, okay, so isn't this an interesting, um, interesting way to say things? Um, Paul's like, I'm your spiritual midwife. Right? He's like, I... I share Jesus with you. I change your Jesus diapers, okay? And you had a lot of them, right? Uh, and because when you talk about the Corinthian church, there's a lot of diapers there, okay? A lot of dirty diapers with the Corinthian church, so to speak, okay? Um, and so just, he's just using this metaphor. He's like, you know, because, you know, when you, when you and think, think about it as a parent, you know, when your kids come to Jesus, you want them to go on for Jesus, and you can see sometimes the cliff coming, even if you tell them the cliff is coming, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, so you get this, like, he's struggled internally knowing that he can't make these guys do what they're supposed to do for Jesus or live the right way. And so this is kind of what, so this is my little commentary on this, why he's saying, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, Right? But why? Until Christ is formed in you. That last phrase relates, I think, to what he's telling you, what he's praying there in Ephesians 3. Until Christ is formed in you. You have Christ, but Christ is being formed in you. You get that? You've got Jesus via the Holy Spirit, but he's being formed in you. Both are true. Okay? I know that seems like, but it's true. Both are true. And so... Um, now, 
um, James Boyce says, he says, it is true that all who are truly Christians are indwelt by Jesus Christ. But it is also true uh, that this is something they grow into as Christ takes stronger and fuller possession of every corner of their lives. Uh, so he's just kind of kind of this idea of, um, have you ever read that little booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home? This idea that your life is kind of like the rooms of a house, these different areas of your life, and the Lord's kind of walking around there, and sometimes you don't want him to look in the closet, you don't want to look in the kitchen, you know, these metaphorical rooms of your life, okay? And um, I think what he's getting at is that kind of idea, that Jesus is in there. But he's working uh, to, to be, uh, have more full effect in, uh, in your life. Now, there actually is, I think, a little uh, pointer in this direction along this line of thinking in the word that he uses. Okay? Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? but uh, multiple places I looked mentioned the same thing, that the word that Paul uses in his prayer where he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That word dwell has a couple of different meanings. The, word, the actual word, so in, in, I'll just read it so I don't mess it up here. It says, Paul's choice of the word katoiko, katoikeo, sorry, rather than the similar word poroikeo, both of which are sometimes rendered by the English word dwell. The second word, which Paul does not use, means to dwell in a place as a stranger. So one specific word means to dwell in a place as a stranger. That's not the word Paul uses here. Uh, it says, um, uh, he says, he says about the stranger word, he says, this, that is, it is a word that would be used of a foreigner like Abraham dwelling in a land not actually his own. Okay? And then he says, the first word, which Paul does use, means to dwell in the sense of settling down in a place and making a permanent residence there. As John Stott points out, it is used for the fullness of the Godhead abiding in Christ, as here for Christ abiding in believers' heart and life. So, the prayer here is that Christ may might settle down in our hearts and control them as the rightful owner. Okay? So you've got all of Jesus, but um, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Does he have all of you? Right, that, that kind of idea. All right, and, and that word dwell, saying, you know, he, he's praying that Jesus would, would kind of, it would start to look like Jesus is living there. That's basically it. Um, Linda showed me this. Uh, she's like, when I told her about this this morning, she goes, oh, that reminds me of a commercial. I wish I could show it to you, but I'm sure we can't because of copyright reasons. But it was a bear, it was about the, the a, Bear makes a product for restaining your deck, okay? The like company that that sells paint and all that stuff. They do a, a deck resurfacing thing, and uh, basically they said uh, not resurfacing your deck is like the own the previous owner is still there. And they show this dude, you know, like this old guy he's sitting in a pool, you know, and they're like, and they're like out there having their family time, and they're like, you know. So they're trying to get the shock value of like, oh my gosh, that was someone else's, you know. And so they're out there when they redo the deck, the guy's gone. You know? um, it's just, it's, you, should, you should look at it on YouTube. It is pretty funny. Um, but 
the New Living Translation of this verse kind of gives this sense. He says, it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Just that, that's the idea, that he would make his home there as you trust him, and then it's going to look like Jesus has been hanging out there. That's, that's the idea. Um, uh, D.A. Carson says, he says, when people take up long-term residence somewhere, their presence eventually characterizes that dwelling. You know, if you're not going to be around somewhere very long, you know, just kind of leave it go, you know, whatever, what it is. But if you take up permanent residence there, it starts to take on your characteristics, right? How you are. And so, so I think Paul's just simply in this part of the prayer, he's just simply saying, you know, as we pray for power uh, of the Spirit to, to um, you know, in our inner being, to live as Jesus wants us to live, at the same time, it's going to start look like Jesus is living there. It's going to start looking like a Jesus life, okay, uh, inside and out. So just my my thought on that. And then he then he goes on to say here in this next part of the prayer, um, he says. Um, so he says we're, we are to pray for power to know the fullness of God's love. That's really the second part of the prayer. The first part was about power for our, in our inner being, right, uh, and so that we can, it starts looking like Jesus is living there, and we can live how God calls us to live. But now he's praying in this next few couple of verses, as that the way I'm summarizing it, we pray for power to know the fullness of God's love. All right, let's take a look at those verses, 18 and 19. It says, he prays that we may have strength. Here's that strength again. Um, it may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, this is this is this is a lot here. I mean, this uh, in a sense, but in a sense, it's it's just one big idea. But the thing that really kind of blows my mind is is basically saying, I, I'm praying that you'll know something that surpasses knowledge. He says, I pray that you'll know this, that suppresses knowledge. So it is important for us to know stuff, right? He, he would want us to know the extent to what Jesus has loved us and what he has done for us and all the riches of the blessings that come from knowing Jesus and his love. We should know that. But I think he's also saying, I want you to get it on an experiential level as you live your life. I want you to really know what that is to experience the love of Jesus in all of its facets, right? You get these dimensional language, this height and depth and breadth and length and all that, just, just saying it's kind of limitless, right? He's saying like, I, you know, you and me are, are finite beings, but I'm hoping that he's like, I'm hoping that you're going to know the unknowable, which is the infinite love of God um, in all areas of your life. And so let me just mention this. Um, so he mentions he mentions being rooted and grounded in there also, right? He says, um, that was earlier, wasn't it? Yes, at the end of verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, and then he continues that part of the love thing. Being rooted and grounded in love, right? You think about it, he's, it's, 
it's a mixed metaphor, right? Rooted is just, you know, a plant metaphor, right? Roots going down deep, right? And, and uh, the other thing that he mentions there is grounded. Now, that's like an architectural term. So he's saying like a foundation of a building. It's grounded, a good foundation. So he's saying, I hope that your love and your experience of God's love grows deep and that, it's, that your life is built on the solid foundation of Christ's love. Um, and so, but as he goes on to talk about and pray about in, this, in these verse 19 here, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So, again, there's the, there's the knowledge here, but we are to grow, we should grow in our awareness of the love of Christ. Uh, particularly through root, you know, when we go through hardships, sufferings that we mentioned before, right? Uh, here is where God takes us deeper, right? You talk to anybody that's been through very difficult circumstances, who's a believer and has experienced this inner empowerment from God, they've probably experienced the love of God like they hadn't before, like they, they've grown in it. And uh, their awareness of God's love for them is even greater, right? And so I think this is what his prayer is, that what we can be praying for each other, for ourselves, is that we would really know what it means to say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, that's foundational, okay? But there's a lot to that. And what he's praying is that we would experience God's love in deeper ways, right? Because when you're rooted in God's love, not much can sway you. When when you're rooted in God's love and you know the truth about God's love, I mean, knowing is important, okay? Because when you think about, you go back to... uh, the Psalms, in Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his, his, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. How many people want to be there? I want to be in that kind of life, okay? And so you got, but you can tell you what, you got to delight in the Word of God. you got to make the Word of God your foundation and your roots in the Word of God, the, the truth of God, God's Word, His promises, the truth about His love for you. you you got to let those roots grow deep, right? And some of the ways that they're going to grow deep is not just Bible study, but it's going to be going through life. Your, your God-designed curriculum that your life is going through, and it's going to be some of that growth in the depth of those roots by streams of water are going to come about as you hang on to the promises of God, knowing that God is good, even though everything around you is telling it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look like it. Okay? You hear me? That, that's, God wants us to grow deep in His love. It's not just like a, a kindergarten little story. Okay? It is foundational, yes, but, but we need to... We need to ask God to help us understand what's not even understandable about it. And the only thing I can, best word I can think about to say that is, is it's experience. 
that we would experience it. We need to know what it, the Word says about God's love and the way, he's dis- the way He shows us His love and so on. But we also need to say, God, I, I, need, to, I need to know that here and now. And we need to pray for each other that we would all do that. Because, you know, <laughs> um, back to the Ephesians. I'm over time here. Back, back to the Ephesians. Somebody else. I was waiting for the hook to come out. Um, back to the whole Ephesians thing. The, the dividing wall between these two groups of people. Okay? Animosity like you wouldn't believe. But if these people are rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus, they will love each other. They will learn how to love each other. Okay? Because he has been forgiven much, loves much. And if we understand the love of God, and as we experientially learn, you know, as we go through the circumstances of our life, we will learn how to love one another. Okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this, this prayer. Um, we have really, there's probably so much more. I don't even know about this prayer. But Lord, just thank you for what you, you did show me, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you. Lord, that we can pray these prayers for one another. Lord, give us, give us strength in our inner being, God, to, to live our lives for Jesus in our current context where we, where we are, where each of us individually are, uh, our marital status, our, our work situation, you know, all of that, our current context, God. Empower us. Lord, we need you. And we also pray, Lord, help us to know your multifaceted love. Help us to not only know what your word says about it, but also, Lord, show us your love. Help us to be aware of it. You're always showing it to us. Help us to be aware of it, to experience that. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Right. If you're comfortable standing, let's stand and sing.
Matthew 6, 9 and 10, Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's ask him to build his kingdom here as we sing this to him. Come set your rule and reign. In our hearts again, increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very soul. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Are your church? We need your power in us. It's your kingdom first. The sick, the poor at peace We lay down our love for heaven's call We are your church We pray behind His
back where I'm from, we say, shoot, bang on the gully whooper. <laughs> Woo! That was something. That was awesome, man. That was awesome. Man, that's great. Hey, um, so just, just receive this. Receive this doxology from the Lord I read earlier. And think about, right, as these things that you're praying for inner strength for, think about the God who's on the other end of that prayer, right? So Ephesians 3, 20, 21, Now to him who by his power within us is able to do far more than we ever dare to ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you next week.